Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. And today's episode of The Toolbox and The One Thing have been brought to you in partnership with the Christian Standard Bible Podcast. I thought a podcast about how the Bible changed the world would be easy and encouraging. I was wrong. Join me as I explore the overlooked, complicated, and surprising ways God's Word is living and effective. Subscribe on iTunes and learn more at livingineffective.com. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders, and that's right, there is no Derek Hanna today. I'm solo. He's sunning himself on a beach in Brisbane. Well, he would be if Brisbane had beaches. South Bank is, is not really a beach. It's just a pile of sand on the river. Uh, I've heard Brisbane has reclaimed Swampland. Is that right? It, it is. And, and as you can guess, I've got <laughs> Sam Chan with me as well, so I'm not solo. You're not just going to be hearing from me today, but I do have one of my good friends, Sam Chan. Hey, thanks, God. Good to be here. (laughs) Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel-centered ministry every week. We're excited to be part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. We joined the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network uh, because we're on the same page. We want to serve the church in her mission of making disciples by providing and promoting podcasts that help grow believers and the local church. Now, The One Thing's brought to you with thanks to the Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network, and you've pressed play on episode number 34, Doing Asian Ministry in an Anglo Context. As you've heard already, uh, Sam, he just doesn't follow the script. We've got Sam Chan. Uh, now, tell us, you've been part of WS, Chinese Christian Church, for a number of years. Is that right? Yeah, I go to WSCCC. Like, us Chinese churches love our acronyms. Uh, so it stands for West Sydney Chinese Christian Church. It meets in Stratford. I've been going there since the 1980s, since the age of 16. I can't even do the maths now. I think that means 30, 36 years I've been going to the same church. So long now that I'm stuck there because if I leave, <laughs> it says more than it doesn't say. Now I grew up in Stratfield. I, I, I was there in the 1980s to the to the 90s. Uh, it was very it, it was Anglo. It was becoming increasingly Asian. But but now if you get down to Stratfield Plaza, there there is very small remnants of, of an Anglo community. Oh, there. it has completely changed just overnight. Like someone flicked a switch and now it's all Asian. And not just Stratfield, but all the surrounding suburbs. So think Ashfield, think Burwood, think Campsey. Uh, I was just having lunch yesterday in Ashfield with my wife, and it was Asians everywhere. And as an Asian, I'm allowed to say that. It was Asians everywhere. And I live in Croydon Park right next to Campsey, and it's almost like there are no... I don't know what words I'm allowed to use these days. White faces. So it just makes sense in that context to have a church that's actually reaching out to... Asian faces. The CCC Mm. makes complete sense there. Increasingly in Australia, migration is happening uh, more and more. In fact, close to uh, half the population either has a par- one or two parents who come from a non-English speaking mm. background. Uh, just over last year, ticked over a million, you know, million Chinese uh, migrants. They will take over the world. They are the master <laughs> race. Uh, that it is happening and it will happen. Uh, the question though is. Well, why bother with uh, Chinese or Asian ministry in an Anglo context? Uh, why should a church actually, you know, seek to reach out to uh, Asian, you know, Asian ethnic uh, groups? Now they they're they're complex, and there's not just one monoculture there. You've got Malaysian, Singaporeans, you've got uh, Chinese Viet uh, Viet Chinese. Uh, you have Mandarin speakers, Cantonese speakers, although uh, they're reducing. It, it's complex, but w- why bother? 
Yeah, it is complicated. But if we were just, you know, generalise things, why bother with Asian ministries? Well, one, because they are increasing proportionally in Sydney. So it's uh, the numbers are there. But also, secondly, Asians seem to, the gospel seems to have attraction with the Asian culture in a way it doesn't have with the Caucasian culture. And so the gospel's booming. I always joke like if you go to a university campus in Sydney, the first thing you notice is, whoa, there are Asians everywhere. Mm. There are more Asians here than are in Asia. What is going on? And then if you go to a, China, uh, a Christian group on campus, it's even more Asian. So somehow Asians are disproportionately represented in Christian groups. So the gospel has traction. Uh, so my, my minister, Andrew Bardsley, who's Caucasian, and he grew up in the Presbyterian scene. So after he graduated from Sydney Missionary Bible College, he had to choose whether to return to the Presbyterian denomination or work in a Chinese church setting. And he tells me he chose the Chinese church setting because someone advised him, go where God is working. Mm. And it seems like God is working in the Chinese culture. So there's so there's increasing numbers. God is working. It can't just be that it's yeah. it's easier. Uh, yeah. Why why should a church actually you know do the the heavy lifting? I guess of making you know changes to their to their culture to to the way they the way they do church in terms of forms and structures just to reach out to uh, to, to Asian Asian communities. Well, um, is it like isn't it just too hard? It, well, I wouldn't say it's too hard. It's almost like it's too easy. That's why your question has thrown me. I thought it's almost like without trying, the Asians will turn up. Yep. So if you run a church playgroup, the complaint I'm getting now is it's only Asians turning up who, who can't speak Chinese. Mm. If you run ESL classes in your church, what I'm hearing is it's only Asians turning up. And our traditional ways of evangelism and running church somehow have attraction with the Asian culture. So I argue, you know, gospel tracts that we've traditionally used, which uh, talk about, you know, obedience, duty, law, guilt, forgiveness, shame, honour. The Asians love hearing that because they they understand the freedom that the gospel gives them. So it's almost like it's almost too easy without wanting to. The Asians will turn up. Now, thinking into WSCCC, surely it's easy for them to jump into these Anglo contexts and actually reach out. You know, what's stopping the Asian churches from actually reaching out to Asians in these Yeah, yeah. So we have two campuses, two congregations at WSCCC. We meet both at Stratfield and at Croydon Park. And at Stratfield, like, it's 99% Chinese. Mm. And I don't think we've really tried to reach out to the Caucasians. Uh, one, because Stratford itself is almost all Asian now. Yep. Uh, but two, right from your very founding DNA, we've called ourselves a Chinese Christian church. So the original intent was always to reach out and to build up Chinese Christians. In the Croydon Park campus, originally they tried to be multicultural, international, reach out to the local community, which is more multicultural, so Greeks, Lebanese, Italians, Caucasian Australians and it just didn't work and our previous minister Mark Boyley pointed out you know if you're not Chinese of appearance no matter how well run this service is no matter how well the the singing and the preaching speaks to you you're just going to feel out of place like I do not belong here and I flip it around like for instance if I 
had a friend who invited me to a Persian church. Mm-hmm. No matter how much I loved the preaching and the fellowship and the singing and the morning tea, no matter how welcome I was, in the end, it just comes down to this. I am not Persian, so I, I do not feel a belonging here. So there's a there's a there's a greater difficulty. So I want to get into the practicals in a moment. We're going yeah. to just pause there, and we're just going to open up the uh, the toolbox. So I want to I want to push out uh, just a few uh, key resources to get you thinking. If you want to do some more reading on this, uh, Hesselgrave is is an excellent missiologist uh, who can who can speak. Into He's got a number of books: uh, cross cultural communication and cross cultural church planting as well. So if you're thinking about uh, starting a uh, a new cross cultural ministry in an Anglo context, there's some great uh, great books to uh, to jump into. Uh, a real key part of doing ministry uh, in this space is actually having a cross cultural team. So you've already you've already heard Sam. Um, you know, push out a whole bunch of very Anglo names that have been leading, leading or leading the English-speaking congregations at WSCCC. And Richard and Evelyn, Evelyn Hibbert, uh, they were WEC missionaries. Uh, they've written a great book uh, called Leading Multicultural Teams. And I think a key part of, of, of any sort of cross-cultural multi-ethnic ministry is actually having a cross-cultural team. And, and even better, if you can marry someone who, who is Asian, or if you are Asian, marry someone who's Anglo, even better have a cross-cultural team in your marriage. <laughs> Uh, so any single blokes out there, uh, single women, marry marry the opposite uh, culture. It uh, it seems to work somehow anecdotally. Don't have any research on that. <laughs> uh, then the final the final uh, toolbox is I am married to a wife of very similar culture to me, and even then the marriage is so challenging. So I could not <laughs> imagine marrying someone from a different culture. <laughs> now the final resource uh, we've got a great uh, we did a great conference in 2012 at Multiplied and in Melbourne just on this uh, on this topic with some excellent uh, practitioners and speakers from around the country so uh, in the show notes we'll make reference to that as well okay I want to uh, I want to get back into into the nuts and bolts of this sort of practically how, how might you start or well, where where might you start if you wanted to actually reach out to Asian an Asian community and you're an, and you're an Anglo church where where would you start practically Oh, I think the ESL classes and the playgroups are a big thing. So I don't know if people realise, but there's this incredible phenomenon right now where you have young Chinese couples with children, but their parents from China have flown over and actually live with them. And these parents can't speak English. Uh, they're, They're unemployable. And it's almost like they've had to give up everything in China to come out to Australia to become servants or nannies for, for their children. And so they can't speak English, so they will love something like an ESL class. They, they, they're at their wit's end of how to occupy their grandchildren. So something like a playgroup would, would be perfect and would be just an easy funnel to get them into a church or sacred space. So you're not pushing for a big shift. You don't need to move to an easy English-speaking congregation. Uh, you don't need to have a, a bilingual service where you're translating mm. you know, the sermon into, into Mandarin or even do the technological work of having you know, translators translate the whole sermon as, uh, as it's going on. You're, you're just saying start, start an ESL ministry, start a playgroup ministry that's actually seeking to intentionally reach out to uh, these grandparents who are, you know, who are, who are over here. Uh, caring for their kids, yeah, and grandkids. Ev- and eventually funnel them to, I guess, in the end, you, you have to worship God in your mother tongue. I think So you have to funnel them eventually, I think, to a Mandarin-speaking 
service. It's going to be very hard to do it in an English-speaking service. So either your church is to put on a Chinese-speaking service or funnel them towards one of the many, the plethora of Chinese churches that are in, in Sydney. Now, now, you spoke earlier about your uncomfortableness or just the reality that you'd be uncomfortable in a Persian, you know, in a, yeah. Persian, in a Persian church. It's not something you could keep going to. Um, what, one of the things that I've seen is uh, is having affinity groups. So, so simple English service, but then affinity uh, language groups after. So almost, you know, small groups that allow for that that greater community, that greater interaction, you know, with with the heart language. Have you seen Have you seen that? you know, in any of the sort of uh, Chinese Christian churches around the place? Well, <laughs> it's probably a great idea. Uh, I think what you got to understand is a Chinese-speaking person is will happily put up with an English-speaking church because they understand this is an English-speaking country. It is the majority culture. So as a Chinese person, I have to fit in with the majority culture. And I get it that they're not going to be able to run a Chinese service for me. I get it they're not going to be able to find a Chinese-speaking minister for me. I, I get that. But if they can find me an affinity group that I can meet with of people with similar culture and language, that, that will be a perfect little compromise. Now, one of the challenges as well is to have a cross-cultural team as well. Um, now, you've used you know, Andrew, Andrew Bardsley, Mark Boyley, very Anglo names. Yeah. What, what are the complexities of a, of a cross-cultural team that you've seen? Oh, it is incredibly complex. So even in my monocultural Chinese church, we have three services, the Mandarin, the Cantonese, and the English-speaking. Mm. And theologically, they come from different traditions, and culturally, they come from very different perspectives. So often you think you're having a theological conflict, but it's really a cultural conflict. And often you think you're having a cultural conflict, but it's a theological conflict. So even in a Chinese church, the, the intercultural things are so complicated. And I think it just means everyone, both the congregation and the leaders, need to understand culture better. Mm. And I think that's the problem. We're, we're just not trained to be cultural exegetes. Otherwise, we would see what the, the real cultural issues are. And so for an Anglo, an Anglo minister coming into that context, what are, some, what are some real practical tips for them to you know, get that quick you know, cultural un understanding? Oh, well, I, I don't know how Andrew Barsley has done it, but he's just done it perfectly. I think he's because he's a missionary kid, he yep. understands culture. He's come in and just maybe spent a year or two observing the culture and realised, okay, that's not how I would do it but then I am not of this culture. So why are they doing it this way? So just trying to understand, exegete and empathise with the other culture. Mm, mm. Uh, and uh, in, terms of, uh, in terms of going back the other way, so mm. for the, the Mandarin, you know, for the, for the dominant culture, what, what's some helpful tips, practical tips for the dominant oh, culture? I think <laughs> just, just be humble, just hang back and again, try to understand the other culture. And again, what you think are theological conflicts are probably just a cultural uh, perspective. And I think that's 99% of the, pro uh, the, the conflicts in churches. We think these are theological issues, but they're cultural issues. Mm. So uh, that's really helpful to, to keep pressing into uh, a humility as we, as we seek to do ministry together, uh, an opportunity to actually listen, you know, listen well and engage well. Well, that brings us uh, almost to the end of the show. Uh, Sam, what's, what's the one thing people should be taking away when it comes to doing Asian ministry in an Anglo context, if you boil it down to one thing? Culture. Culture is so important. And you just got to understand how different... Well, there's a book called um, Clash, Eight Cultural Conflicts That Define Us. It's not a Christian book, but read it and suddenly poof, you'll understand, wow, 
there are at least eight different ways the Asian culture conflicts with the Anglo culture. Well, if you like what you've heard today, uh, we'd appreciate if you take a moment just to rate the show on iTunes and even leave a comment. We joined the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network because of our good friends, uh, Daniel Lim, Todd Adkins and Ed Stetzer. These guys have been incredibly generous and helpful as we've been thinking into how to better serve churches in Australia. So can I encourage you to listen to the New Churches Q&A podcast. If you're wanting practical and immediately applicable solutions, each episode you're going to get just that and more. So if you're a church planner, if you're leading in a multi-site church, or if you're an established church pastor, this podcast is for you. New Churches Q&A. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of The One Thing. And coming up in our next episode, we've actually got Sam again. Woohoo! <laughs> we've got Dr. Sam Chan again on personal evangelism. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, really pressing into, uh, into his thoughts and hearing what are some of the things that he's been learning as he's been spruiking his book, which I'm sure he's going to talk about. That's not the opportunity now to talk about your book. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it in the next episode. I'm Scott Sanders. Chat soon. Chat soon.